touches like that. Yeah, I don't mind that. Or if you like hair stuff, just... You can ask for whatever you want, and the worst thing that can happen is I say, oh, no, that's a no for me, but... Okay. A no doesn't mean a no for everything. I can be like, well, this is what I can do. No, the arm touching is fine. Okay, perfect. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. Yeah. Feeling relaxed. Okay, that's good. You're listening to Queer Public. Queer Public is a podcast about real-life queer life. Each episode, we ask big questions about queer identity, politics, and our queer culture. We're navigating complicated power dynamics all the time, socially, physically, and emotionally. But we've always had to work harder at open communication. We have to talk about what we like and don't like, what makes us feel good and what doesn't, because there's no dominant script for queer intimacy. Today we're asking, how can we have empowering, consensual, intimate encounters? What if I told you I met someone who can teach us how to level the playing field so we can feel good in our bodies and in our relationships? Before we begin, a quick word. This story acknowledges the existence and reality of non-consensual experiences and sexual assault. Take care of yourselves. I came to Philly to get my degree in human sexuality, which has led me in a lot of directions, and one of them is becoming a professional cuddler. Meet Rachel. Rachel uses she, her pronouns, self-identifies as Jewish, and is a queer sexologist. Rachel's been a practicing cuddlist, which means she cuddles with people for money. Clients find her profile on Cuddleist.com, a website that connects potential clients to Cuddleists or people certified to cuddle. For about $80 a session, clients practice some sort of physical vulnerability with Rachel. Because everyone has different needs, cuddling can mean a lot of different things. But for these purposes, we're talking about lying close and snug and touch that provides comfort and nurturing affection. Sometimes that means she holds a client while they process their week with her. Sometimes she plays with their hair. Sometimes she just lies down next to a person. I am the spoon that the other person needs me to be. I can also ask to be any spoon that I want. They can ask to be any spoon they want, and it's different every time. I'm always checking in, and I think that's, that's actually the new thing for people is the checking in. A lot of them don't experience that anywhere else. And it's so vital, right, to check in and see how the other person is feeling and what they want. Rachel lives up four flights of stairs in a giant Victorian home in West Philadelphia. She calls it the attic. It's a cozy room with an office nook, a reading chair, a few plants. And her room is also where she conducts sessions. So this is the bed? Yeah, this is like where I see clients. This is my bed that I sleep in at night and then it becomes also the cuddle bed. And so I just take clean blankets and put them over 
Like, it's just sort of a, a barrier, a boundary, something that depersonalizes it in my own head. Rachel's clients come to her for lots of different reasons. Sometimes it's to learn how to be more comfortable around other people. Sometimes it's for nurturing affection. And it's not just for people who feel touch-starved. There are real therapeutic benefits to cuddling. But mostly, people come to Rachel for the emotional labor, the open ear she gives to clients in cuddle sessions. I think some people see it as a therapy that they like to go to every week. And then other people sort of see it as like getting a massage. So it's sort of just a a treat that they give themselves every so often. So the science behind cuddling. Physical touch and pressure releases oxytocin, which is actually nicknamed the cuddle hormone. Our brains release oxytocin, which creates feelings of trust and bonding. So basically human connection. Cuddling also reduces the body's stress hormone, a hormone called cortisol. So I totally get how this could be therapeutic. Rachel always knew she loved receiving touch, but it's a little more complicated for her. So I'm asexual. I have been in so many situations where I have just gone along with physical intimacy, sexual intimacy, because I thought that I was supposed to or that there was something wrong with me for not wanting it. So I know what it feels to not want to do something and not necessarily be forced to do it, but to feel like there's something wrong with you if you're not forcing yourself to want to do it. I'd always understood asexuality to be just the complete lack of any sort of desire for sexuality at all, which is just really not the case. Just like everything else, it exists on a spectrum. And so I knew that I'd always had like this high libido and felt sexual in some ways, but I was never attracted to anybody. So I experience romantic attraction, but I don't feel sexually attracted to anybody. So even those that I've dated in the past, some of them, I just never feel like I could be sexual with them. And I loved them so much romantically and was totally in love with them, but I just never felt sexually attracted to them. Just understanding that I was queer before I knew why and never having any sort of like reason why all of it resonated so much, but I do now. Rachel learned about professional cuddling from a demonstration at a sexuality conference. I saw it and it just sort of hit me. It really resonated. And I was like, oh, that is so cool. What an important service. Like, I was immediately interested and fascinated by it. And I went to talk to one of the CEOs of Cuddleist. And I talked to him for a really long time. And I got to like tell him a little bit about my story. And he then told me a story of an old man who had reached out to Cuddleist because he was asexual, but he was always afraid of disappointing a partner or somebody by not being able to follow through sexually. So he had gone so long in his life, he was maybe in his 80s, and was just so excited to be able to have somebody to cuddle with, because that's all he'd ever really wanted, was just the cuddling. I wanted to be able to cuddle with people who felt that that's all they really wanted, and they felt sort of lost in the world because, because it was all they wanted. And I understand that feeling completely. 
And so once Adam told me that, then it really hit home. And I was like, okay, this is something I want to pursue. I'm going to try to do this. As you've gathered by now, cuddling is intimate. It's a real act of vulnerability for both Rachel and her clients. I mean, that's her service. That's what she provides. Physical and emotional intimacy. There's a lot of trust that goes into the practice itself. And in order to trust the person she's willing to work with, she's developed a vetting process. There is no cuddle session that exists, first session or repeat session, that is without the practice of consent. It is inherent to the cuddle practice. So number one for vetting is knowing exactly what I am okay with and what I'm not okay with. So the first step in my vetting is emailing the person. If they don't have a valid email address or don't give me an email address, then they're not going to see me. And I like to keep it very formal. So if somebody calls me honey, baby, any of that stuff, that's a big red flag for me. Huge red flag. Because I can tell so much about the person from the way they respond to me through email. The next step is a phone call. I do like a 15-minute phone call with each potential client and I talk to them and I ask them lots of questions and I want to know how they found out about cuddling. I want to know a bit about their background. I want to know what they're hoping to get out of it, what they've heard about it, and I just talk to them. And so from there on you can also get a pretty good feel of what people are looking for. I was really disheartened, actually. My very first request was somebody that I had to turn away because he'd previously been inappropriate with another cuddler. And so um, that did not help my anxiety regarding sort of like the process. But I honestly felt a bit proud of myself because even before I knew that he had been sort of questionable, I myself came to that conclusion, which is why I looked his name up. And so I was really proud of myself. And so that sort of like encouraged me to really trust my process because I was like, wait, I did catch that. So that's really good. Eventually, Rachel booked her first client. And at the time of this interview, Rachel was trying to protect the identity of her client by using they them pronouns not to identify the client's gender. But then my very first client that I saw was very exciting for me because they were very forthcoming in their answers. I really, I wanted to make a change for the better, but I didn't really know where I wanted to begin. Hi, my name is Bob. I live in Abington, actually. A couple things going on. My teenage son had committed suicide about a year and a half prior. And I was certainly still floundering from that. And, uh, you know... I've I've gone through had gone through some counseling and still am, but I'm still pretty much adrift due to that. And I was also adrift for a couple other things going on in my life. I wasn't really that thrilled with my how my career was going, and I really didn't have the energy to do much about it because of really still feeling, you know, down about the death of my son. You know, and for a while, I think that's normal after a death like that to just kind of take things one day at a time. But it, it seemed to me to be lasting a little bit too long. I wasn't pulling out of it. 
And um, I was really excited, but I was also really scared. And I remember being really nervous. I was like, what if I'm not enough for this client? What if I can't give them some sort of comfort? What if I say the wrong thing? And I remember it was just kind of cloudy that day and I was nervously standing on my porch waiting for them to, to walk up. And then I saw them and they had a backpack on and they looked not childlike, but childlike. And all of a sudden I was just like, oh yeah, this is gonna be fine. You intrigued me. Mm -hmm. I respected you a lot just, you know, for your willingness to go to do this. And I let them know that it was my first session also. And so that we were embarking on this thing together. And they told me, I think with even like 10 minutes of the first session, that they were amazed at how comfortable they were already. And I was just like, okay, yeah, that's why I do this. I'm going to be good at this. This is going to be okay. So I got this. No, we kind of jumped right in. To be honest with you, we, we, we just went for a full body cuddle, you know, right off the bat. You know, at first I was like thinking, well, she's going to tell me exactly what she wants me to do. And we'd ease into it that way. But we, it really wasn't that way. <laughs> it was just like, oh, what are we doing? Okay, let's just do this. And, and we did. And it, was, you know, just, it was a nice, you know, prone hug on the bed. And that was just wonderful. And it was really, really lovely. And all boundaries were totally respected. It was just a really special thing. And I just felt great to have someone really just, you know, devote their entire attention to me for that period of time. It was just the two of us. Obviously, it was definitely awkward because we were, didn't know each other at all. You know, it still felt like we were totally, you know, at least present with each other. You know, that's not something that happens that often between two people in any kind of situation. So it was, it was just, just a really nice, nice time and nice feeling. Yeah, it was definitely the right thing for me. You know, it's hard to quantify things, but I mean, I definitely do feel a little less anxiety about just life in general. I was definitely lacking touch in my life, and so it definitely filled a, a need for that. But yeah, mainly it's, it's just self-acceptance. You know, it's the biggest benefit to me long-term. It definitely like skyrockets my self-esteem, you know, That's so to be able awesome. to do this. Yes. You know, it really does. I think cuddling has really helped me more than other forms of therapy. Awesome. I mean, I've, I've gone through like grief counseling and before that, before my son died, I've had various times when I've, you know, gone to see a psychologist for mild depression. It's hard for me to not think of them as sitting there judging me in some way. So it's also like a one-way street, you know? I'm laying my life out for them, and they're just being super professional, and you don't really get a sense of who they are outside of the session, you know, in their life. And I really appreciate how you... You know, you share things about your life. And, you know, it just makes me feel like, mm, I'm not expressing this well, but it's important. No, you're doing great. Um, like it's a two-way street, you know? That really helps. It really makes me, makes it feel all feel so much worthwhile. That's awesome. I feel that, like, <laughs> it makes me want to cry, oh. but I'm not going to cry. Rachel and Bob are bonded. 
they do have something special. It's special because he is such a good fit for her practice. And her practice is something she gives a lot of thought to. But there have been instances where her clients haven't been a good fit for professional cuddling. I'd had a session and it had gone wonderfully. It was totally everything it needed to be. And then it happened within like the last 10 minutes. This person tried to kiss my face and I immediately said, no, that's not okay. I told you at the beginning of the session, no kissing, absolutely none. And they said to me, oh, sorry, I must have been talking too close to your face, which is a very bold-faced lie. And I said, there's no need to have any excuse. You know now. You knew before. Just if it happens again, it's done. And it didn't happen again. But I know that they felt bad about crossing that boundary. And I don't know if that's why they left me a really big tip, but that felt bad also. Because... There's no amount of money that makes that okay. And uh, it's, it's just somebody that I will not see again. It's disappointing, and it, it can really wear on you. In these instances of boundary crossing, sometimes there's an indication that something else is going on. Sometimes it's a slip up because there actually is a lot of unlearning for men especially that they have to do because there's sort of this idea that all intimate encounters lead to sex. And so now they're in this first encounter that is intimate in that way, and it doesn't. And so they slip up and they feel lost and they don't know what to do with themselves. Like there is actually some social programming that has to be unlearned. So depending on what I'm feeling in that moment, if I feel like that's sort of what's going on, I'm more patient with it and I ask them what's happening. And so from there, I'll negotiate whether or not I'll see them again. That risk that people experience on dates or walking home at night, that's Rachel's work. Rachel sees clients in her own home, in her own bed. I'll be like, I'm inviting like danger into my own home. So um, I have a hammer under my bed that I always keep there. Like I consciously keep it there because you just never know. But I also keep it there for every every night because I never know. I don't know that there are any other, me- like, I don't know that there are male cuddlists that keep hammers under their beds just in everyday life. Male cuddlists like to have some sort of proof that they are doing exactly what they say they are doing and that they are not crossing boundaries. I think they fear that. I think their fear is completely different from my fear. I don't know that it's a fear of losing their life, which I fear. And uh, that's the biggest difference. So far, Rachel has only seen male clients. But she's heard from women. And in these interactions, Rachel's noticed a trend. I've never had a woman follow through, and I wish that they would because um, I want so badly to work with women, especially women who have survived trauma, who have been in situations where intimacy has been used and abused and forced over them and to help them learn how to be in a safe, intimate situation 
I think that's the work I feel the closest to. And it's not the work that I do the most of. But there's a certain amount of excitement I feel and passion I feel when I am confronted with a client who is trying to overcome sort of trauma, um, especially women clients, femme clients who are trying to just feel safe in their body and who they are and learn how to have autonomy, like just basic autonomy with another person there. And I think that they've been thrown into a world in which they cannot feel that they have complete autonomy unless they are alone. And that sucks and it's not okay. So, so much of that can be helped by learning how to communicate boundaries and asking for what you want. If you can help people become comfortable saying no, and while also teaching, you know, the other half of the population how to hear no and respect it, then, man, I think that is, that's just so essential. Um, basic tools that nobody's taught. I know that every woman that has ever tried to book a session has canceled on me. I think it is due to fear. Women are afraid that I'm not who I say I am, that, you know, it's unsafe somehow. I think that there's also fear of intimacy. I think women fear intimacy differently than men do. I think men are afraid that people will find out that they are paying to have intimate connections, and that's shameful for them. And I think a lot of women feel shame about the actual intimacy. I think it's frightening for them. I think that women are less likely to come to someone like me for help. So we set out to find someone outside her clientele demographic. Rachel did communicate with one woman for a number of weeks, but each and every time they'd book a session, the woman would cancel. We were both feeling pretty discouraged when something amazing happened. And on Valentine's Day, Hi, Michelle. Yeah. Hi. Sorry. How are you? Okay, how are you doing? Pretty good. Can I give you a hug? Of course. Awesome. Hello. Right. Welcome. Thanks. Did you have an easy time finding it? Rachel yeah, met okay. someone who was willing to try yeah, a cuddle session earlier, right? and yeah. let her record it. Perfect. It's all the way up the stairs, so we're just going to go straight to the top. And also, I feel like we can just both say out loud, like, we're being recorded and it's weird. Yeah. So you, it's you and me together in this. Like, it's yeah, it's weird for everybody, I promise. <laughs> Except maybe Aaron. I think yeah. maybe Aaron is, yeah. But as far as you and I, it's, we are in this together. Michelle is queer, Latinx, and almost 30 years old. A few years ago, Michelle was diagnosed with PTSD. She lives with a lot of symptoms that stem from her trauma. She suffers from anxiety and depression. She finds it hard to be comfortable with herself. I also like to ask people to think back to when they were little about sort of nurturing um, touch that they may have had from like a friend or a parent that just like 
they remember having and always like being good. Like I remember laying next to my mom on her bed, like face down, and mm-hmm. she would just like play with my back yeah. at night. And for me, that was like, I wish she would just do that forever. Mm-hmm. And so that was um, like, I think if I were to go to a cuddler, I would ask them to do that. Yeah. Or if like a head in a lap or even hair brushing, I always say like, I can brush your hair. Do you want to bring me your brush and I can brush your hair? Like things like that. Just anything that feels nurturing to you. Uh-huh. There's also like tons of things that I do with other people. Like I do spoon with people. It's mm-hmm. really like whatever you're totally comfortable with. Yeah, I'm like, honestly, I'm trying to think back of like what something similar like my mother did and I like I can't you can't think about it and that's actually pretty common Mm -hmm. some especially men they feel like my mom did that Mm -hmm. yeah and so um I do either what I can remember of my own mom or like there's like a really good hold that I like that I think is like a good like first off so we're just like laying next to each other and you just put your head on my shoulder and I can just like hold you like that okay or it's, I mean, oh, yeah, yeah we can just like that. go with the flow, even just laying next to me to begin with, like all that is totally fine. Perfect. And so like, let me know if you like, like touches like that. Yeah, I don't mind that. Or if you like hair stuff, just, you can ask for whatever you want. And the worst thing that can happen is I say, oh no, that's a no for me, but. Okay. A no doesn't mean a no for everything. I can be like, well, this is what I can do. No, the arm touching is fine. Okay, perfect. Yeah, it's always, um, it's always interesting. Like, I, I always think about my first experience every time I have a first time. And mine was at a, a party, actually, like a cuddle party. So it was a room full of strangers, and we were all cuddling. And none of them were like professional cuddlers, so it was a, it was a really wild thing. Yeah. Yeah. Can I? What what did I want to do? Can I like yeah. hug you more? That's fine. Okay. Also, it's like it's weird because like this interaction is something you would do with like. Um, you know, someone you're seeing or just yeah. like dating. And mm-hmm. It's just like the intimacy and I've never... How you feeling? I'm feeling good. Yeah. Feeling relaxed. Okay, that's good. Over the course of the session, Rachel and Michelle talk about everything. Most of the time, it just sounds like two friends getting to know each other. But there is something else there. There is this extra level of support. And I think it's a part of Rachel's gift. It's the support that she can provide while also giving physical comfort. She's affirming. For example, Michelle confided that because she's been working two jobs, she has been able to scrape together some savings. For myself, yeah, it's nice to have money. Oh, that's amazing. I, you know, savings accounts are amazing. Yeah. Like, you have one, like, I'm, I just met you and I'm so proud of you. Like, that <laughs> is, you. like, so hard. <laughs> it's not a lot in there, but it's something. Hey, yeah, no, that's, you have one. Like, that's something. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. 
how are you feeling? Are you feeling comfortable? Oh yeah, no, okay, I'm fine. Good. Just let me know if there's a shift you want to make. Or... You want me to like bend your hair or something? <laughs> <laughs> Afterwards, I sat down with Michelle to talk about her experience of the session. I walked away from this experience not thinking that I would feel this comfortable with a random stranger, you know? It was timed, just like, you know, a therapy session, but then I also was comforted and, like, basically told that it was, like, going to be okay. That element of touching really... It's like relaxing, but you know, you also have to be in that state of mind where it's like, okay to, you know, get cuddled by a stranger. It's just like having a safe space, having a safe person there with you who's going to actually give you the like attention that you deserve um, and like help you process it's wonderful I'm like trying to remember the last time that someone did that for me and it's very frustrating to say that it's been a really long time you know yeah I left with that like natural high I was in such a good mood she's doing God's work she's doing God's work (laughs) it's not a one-sided practice at all I think that Cuddling is always going both ways, and it's really um, a practice in togetherness, which sounds corny, but it really teaches people how to communicate and be together in this intimate situation. Since recording these interviews, Rachel has stopped seeing cis male clients. Ultimately, it wore her down, vetting men, She took down her profile on the Cuddleist platform. Now, Rachel will only work with women and queers and the trans community. So if you live in the Philadelphia area and think you could benefit from a cuddle session, you can email Rachel. I'll put her email address in the show notes. I just have to remember that like this is very helpful what I'm doing and that I shouldn't get discouraged just because I'm not seeing any sort of like immediate change in the world. Nothing is immediate, especially when it's always been this way. And so trying to remember that I am this and this, this is my thing. And I have to be, that has to be enough, I think. A special thank you to Rachel's clients, Michelle and Bob, and to Rachel. You're my friggin' hero. This episode was edited and produced by me, Erin McGregor, and Ariana Martinez. Editorial assistance from Angela Sarakam and Laura Stierczewski. Scripting help from Carly Bickle and Ariana Martinez. Music supervision by Homo Ground's very own Lynn Casper. We featured music from Cuddle Formation, Chris Zabriskie, and Kai Engel. Special thanks to Air Media and their mentorship program. I got to work with Laura Sterczewski. Thanks to Laura for listening to very early drafts of this episode and providing essential feedback. 
If you loved this story, visit our Patreon page and become a patron. Just a few bucks goes a long way in our world and helps to cover the costs of making this show, which we currently do for free. Patrons get all sorts of cool stuff, access to a secret Instagram account, little pins, Google Hangouts, and loads of behind-the-scenes content. Be sure to follow Queer Public on all social media at Queer Public. We've got a good-looking website, too. Go visit us there for transcripts of the show and subscribe on iTunes to get episodes first. We'd love if you would rate us on iTunes. We need your reviews. Next week on the show. If you have a vision of what you want and with the help of somebody that has the skills, you can accomplish something that is you. If a haircut represents you and how you feel inside, then it is a good haircut. I'm your host, Erin McGregor. Thanks for listening. Can you read the disclaimer? Yeah, the need for cuddling does not discriminate on the basis of race, creed, color, ethnicity, national origin, religion, sex, sexual orientation, gender expression, age, height, weight, physical or mental ability, veteran status, military obligations, and marital status, and neither does Rachel. (laughs) I'm just like, (laughs) oh, so corny. I love it though. Yeah. And I'll never change it.